week one, Jay led us through um, a sermon called Live Life in Reverse. And so I'm not going to ask no pop quiz, no questions about it. Um, but he stressed the importance of walking in this life with the end in mind. Remember that. That we want to live in a way that would keep the end, that would keep eternity in mind. Week two, we heard a message by yours truly um, called What's Your Pleasure? Seeing um, how life's kind of most satisfying moments um, can still leave us empty. Amen? And then week three, we heard Connor, and he shared, I heard the story that he shared about him going on this trip with his buddies, but he shared how our lives can be impacted by one season, and then when we're out of it, we experience something else, and so there's this kind of this, this thing that happens, and so how God can still be faithful and bring us peace and shalom in those seasons. I know we missed chapter four. Um, but a quick note, I'll just give you kind of a quick, quick, quick review on that. Um, it was super sad, but it was good still. Uh, it used this phrase that Jay used called it life under the sun and stating how our toil and the meaningless of life, saying things like this. This is from chapter four. Better is the one who has never been born who has not seen evil. This is like as emo as it gets in the chapter. But in all of this language, though, we see some dense themes. I'm a man of themes. And so we see some themes in these chapters. Chapter after chapter, chapter one, we've seen how we can look and, and look at vanity through life itself, how life had this idea of vanity. Chapter two, we saw how vanity um, kind of correlated with this, this idea of achieving and possessions. Chapter three, we looked at this idea of vanity within our pursuits. In chapter four, we see we saw that this, there's this vanity in our toil and oppression and, 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 and work. And then we get to chapter five and six. We see a focus or an emphasis, I believe, small one. And there's so many things you can grab from, this, from these chapters. But we see one on the vanity of words. The vanity of words. Or if I can say, because none of you guys said amen, the vanity of speaking Texting, chatting, emailing, instant messaging, tweeting. Okay, none of you guys have any of these platforms. So TikToking, all of that. We use that. Hey, all of that. <laughs> on and on and on. And we see clearly how the author continues to help his listeners and readers to weigh the heaviness, the heaviness in our language, and not only in what we say, but how we say what we say. Amen. So tonight, I wanted our focus to be this. Write this down if you have your pen and paper. Bridle your tongue and your fingers. Bridle your tongue and your fingers. I'm going to read in Ecclesiastes 5. I'm going to just read a couple of verses there. And then chapter 6, I'll read a couple of verses there as well. I'm reading in the NIV. And it says this, verse 2 of chapter 5. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Chapter 6, verse 7 through 11. Everyone's toil is for their mouth. Yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage 
have the wise over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Verse 9, better what the eye sees than the roving appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after wind. Verse 10, whatever exists has already been, been named. And what humanity is, or excuse me, what, what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. Verse 11, the words, the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? If I could just label our first point, I'm going to move quickly because I'm not trying to have a lot of words tonight. (laughs) I'm going to look at the rate of our tongues and our thumbs. Verse 2, we don't need to study this heavily. I don't need to provide out of all the stats on how fast we text. But I do want to give you just, just, just two little nuggets that I saw when I, when I was doing some research. Listen to this. On average, Americans are texting with two thumbs just as fast as those typing on a keyboard. Let that resonate. So average typer types about, what, 38, 35 words per minute using all of their fingers. Us... Using our thumbs, we type just as fast. That, that wasn't crazy enough. Listen to this. 23 hours per week is spent, on average, by adults texting. Just texting. Just texting. This is all American statistics, too. This means that most of us spend close to a full day just punching buttons on a phone. No judgment here. And last one, this is for all of you guys at USF. (laughs) On average, no shade or no judgment either. On average, students at college spend about, listen to this, 94 minutes per day messaging. Now, you don't have to get mad at me. Don't throw any shoes at me or bottles of water. I'm not the one creating these stats. Found these online, Pew Research. You can go look that up. But if you want to, we can find thousands and thousands of more uh, um, stats on this. And I know some of you are probably asking, well, Fennel, what does this have to do with Ecclesiastes? What's the point? Why do you share all of that just stuff? Well, it is clear, at least in my estimation, that we struggle. We struggle with our both quantity of words spoken and written. We really, really struggle. For us, we see kind of dishing out texts really, really fast. I think the average is like 45 seconds that we would read a text and send a text. Excuse me, sorry. Five seconds to read a text, 45 seconds to send a text. That was the stat that I saw. So we struggle in a way because we see this as just, this is, this is how we communicate. This is normal for us to kind of receive a text and send a text and, and call someone and just talk, 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 and just send information, send words to one another. But if you look at verse 2, it says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything, anything, not just some things, anything before God. Saints, our words are so many nowadays. And, 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 and this is so hard for me because I'm looking like, man, I'm going to preach a sermon. Um, I see my word count at the bottom. It's like 4,000 words on this thing. And it's like, Lord, that's a lot of words. And so uh, it's, it's challenging for me. And I get it. Some of us may seem like, man, this is not really like a big deal. It's not that crazy. What do you mean? What if I send just text messages? And I'm just joking around. I'm putting LOL. 
Well, because we'll see in our passage and both other passages as well that God is not pleased with us just being frivolous in what we say. Whether that be something that's trivial and just joking and laughing, and I know it sounds kind of like, man, Fennel, you're making us sad again. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to make you throw away your phones either, but I want you to see how everything we say, I say, you say, via text, via your boca, via your mouth, will be put on judgment. Nothing is off. Nothing. Not one thing we say will be kind of, oh, well, that's okay. You were just mad at your dad because he, he, he's a jerk. Nothing. And so I think our, our author is showing us, too, that there is a, such a vanity in our words at times. How we can approach this thing and see it as, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that crazy. It's just words. I remember a Christian artist not too long ago said they had this interview, and they're asking about cussing. And he said, very prominent Christian artist. This is when I started losing kind of respect for this person, even though I love their music. He said, they're just words. He said, they're just words. Really? So you talk to your mom and you say, F her? That's not just words. These are words of profanity. They hurt. They damage. They do things. And I'm not trying to go too deep, too fast yet. What I think our author is trying to show is that there is a type of vanity that we use in our words so often, so, so quickly. And I have to use words and texting because we do that often. This is serious. And I think the rate of our tongues and thumbs have a way of showing there is this futility. There is this meaninglessness, if we can say that, in our words. Listen to this passage of Scripture, Matthew 12. Listen to what it says. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'm not trying to make this night sad. We just saw some great videos of God doing great things in this world. I love what they're doing. Um, 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 at, um, I keep wanting to say Camp Anderson, but I don't want to say that real life. But, but there is a seriousness about this. God is not joking with us, with me, with you about this. You can't just go away and say, well, doesn't really apply to me because I'm not really doing anything. I'm not saying anything profane. I'm not cursing anyone out. But in this passage, we see that there is a weight to that. And that weight that we see is often kind of just pushed aside. And that is what the author is saying. There is a futility, a meaningless in that. God is hearing everything. And think of it as if you guys had this kind of landline to heaven. You were able to access heaven through your words, through your text, through your phone. God is receiving every single message that comes through. And the question for us that I want us to get away from at the end, I, I will ask us this, really, what are we trying to emulate and live for by our words? What do we want our words to reflect? I have a two-year-old son. I have to be careful sometimes when I like stub my toe or I'm, I'm like, I say, oh, crap. And I'm hearing my son say these same things, and some will call that, you know, soft cussing and stuff like that. I don't consider it that way. But still, nonetheless, it's a word that I, I would not want him to say. And I have to ask myself, am I really trying to have him emulate that type of tongue? And so real quick, I want to show us this, is that we see that, 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 that there is no surplus in our kind of access, or excuse me, excess of speech. 
or there's no benefit in that. I think sometimes in our culture we can see um, that, 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 that there's something good about being able to speak in a really kind of lengthy way. There's a man that I think Jay would know this person. Um, when you talk to them, <laughs> they have an answer for everything. Very sharp, very smart. But one thing they fail to do is ask questions or to consider the person they're talking to or to stop and to process and to think. And this is not a sermon on do's and don'ts and stuff like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm sorry, y'all. But I am trying to help us see that there is something deeper, something better in the way we use our tongues. There is something better in the way we use our thumbs. I think for all of us, we'll see this um, as we go a little further. Let me just, I'm trying to go fast here and stay um, within my notes. We see this is somewhat antithetical to our current day. It's, it's, it's kind of like so backwards. We have influencers who live off of the word. We have influencers who kind of create the one way to success is creating a blog. After you have this great Instagram following, I need to create a vlog now. I need to start talking about the achievements and the things that I've done in my life. And nowadays we say everyone has a good word. You can go on Instagram or TikTok, wherever you want to go. Everyone has a good word today. But as we look further in scripture, I'm only using scripture to confirm my, 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 my claims here. Look at James chapter 3. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small park. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire. By hell. If I haven't made my point already, the mouth is full. Pun intended, it's full of just stuff. It's full of saying things and phrases that we ought not to say. And in this illustration, you see kind of these two examples. I'm not going to get too deep here. These powerful examples show us how two small items, a bit, and so I don't know any of you guys who ride horses, but there's this metal kind of piece that goes into the mouth of a horse. And it's held on by the reins and this little black strap that you see on the side of a horse's you know, mouth. And that bit is used to control the horse. Or like this rudder, this small piece in the back of the boat that's used to kind of move and pivot the boat. These two small things are used to control powerful things. So a horse is very, very powerful. A boat is very, very powerful. And so the, the author is trying to show that this tongue that we have, it's not just a tongue or thumbs, I should say. Aren't just things that we use that we just have and use at our disposal, but that God is actually literally imploring us through his word. How are you going to use these things for my glory? How are we going to use this tongue, these thumbs, what you say on Twitter for my glory? And second part of this illustration, we see that there's a danger when we don't do that, when we don't think that way. That in the aftermath of using this tongue however we want to, what happens? The tongue is set loose and it causes a fire. There's a danger. And you can say a perilous thing with, with, with the tongue that comes out. And I think, I'm going to say this again. 
Some look at this and be like, man, I don't really struggle with that. All my friends love me. I don't cuss anyone out. I don't say any nasty things to people at the grocery store or give people the bird. And so I don't do those things. I think God is not asking you to kind of make an assessment of your spiritual life. He's asking you to say, live for me in all that you say. What you say will be reflected in your character, the people around you, and they'll be able to vouch for that. But if you are just saying whatever you want to say, however you want to say, whether it's via text to your mom or to your friend and just putting LOLs and laughing all the time, is that really the person that you want to be? When you stand before the Lord, what are you going to use to justify all that, all those silly, silly things that you've sent via text? Are you going to say, well, God, I didn't know. He's going to look at you and say, no, I told you, I showed you through my word, through Jesus, that there is a better way to use your tongue. I'm going to speed up a little bit because I feel like I'm putting you out of sleep. Our words can be so, 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 so dangerous. And I think in this text, Ecclesiastes is, is, is drawing this out. And I want to bring it back so we can kind of see why this is important in our text. Not to belabor this point. But this careless speaking, this reckless speaking that is resembled in this spark or this flame or this torch. I believe it actually shows the character of a man or woman. I believe your tongue, your thumbs show, this is not in my notes either. I believe it shows the character of us. The other day, I was um, texting a friend in our church, and um, I was just up to here with stuff to do. My list of things were just, just, just a lot. And he asked a question, and I responded back so hastily, so just like aggravated. Now it was like nice though; it was a little bit, of, you know, a little bit of sugar on it. It was a little, it was a little nice. Was it super mean? But it was, it was really nasty. And this brother didn't say anything. I had to come back and I apologized and I repented. And even in that moment, I was like, man, Lord, there are so many opportunities for me to not do that. There are so many times where I could have just pulled back and said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But instead, I thought for, for me that it's good for me to kind of stand up for myself and to share my thoughts and to let it fly out. And I'm strongly encouraging us tonight, please. Please hear this. I'm not saying this because I'm perfecting this or I perfected this at all. We will all stand before the Lord on this. We will all stand before the Lord on this. No one is going to knock this thing out the ballpark. And so what I'm imploring us to do is seeing the weight that maybe we will live as a people who use their tongues and their thumbs and their, and their words to edify, to build up, as for, uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, not to slander, not to tear down. Second thing, sorry, I'm trying to move fast. We see this, and I'm jumping down to, to chapter 6. We see in verse 10 that, there, that there's this idea that there's nothing new or, or novel or, or kind of fresh even in our words. Why do you say that, Fennel? I think the author is trying to reiterate the fact that our speech could be so vain sometimes and could be so kind of just meaningless that even in our creativity, what we deem to be creative words. So when you look at a, a, a vlogger or a podcast, creative words, you're like, man, that's, that, that's, that's impeccable. That's great. Well, great. If it's not in Jesus' vein, if it's not in Christ, it is vain. It's meaningless. It bears no fruit, no weight to the glory of God. It actually deserves something else. 
and I won't belabor that, but I feel like in all of my preaching and all of my teaching, I'm using myself as an example here, and all of my delivering of the word of God, I need to be careful myself. That as I stand here with words being proclaimed, and Ecclesiastes says this, that the ear cannot hear, the ear is not satisfied, excuse me, by this word, by this preaching. And so I can preach every single day to BCM, and you still walk away not satisfied, not because you guys are terrible, but because that's how the human soul is. We'll never find enough words to kind of satisfy us. There is a type of vanity in our speech. And yes, we should still do it. I'm not saying we shouldn't have preachers come up here every Thursday. But there is a vanity in that. And so I think as the preacher, as a teacher, and as all of you, as you guys go out and do careers and do certain things in whatever career you choose, whether it's one that's giving presentations or not, that you would see, think and say to your listeners, hey, look, I'm going to give you some good nuggets, but at the end of the day, this is not going to be enough. You can find other novel thinking and novel thoughts out there that will never kind of be enough for you. And I think this is not a prohibition for speaking. It's just not encouraging us to not say anything, to not speak. We need Christians and believers to speak we need people to step out and proclaim Jesus. But I think the author's trying to move us, and I'm using these other texts to kind of show us it is not about not saying or saying, but really, who are you speaking for? Who are you speaking for? Are you representing the kingdom of God in your speech, in your tongue, in your text? Or are you really doing your own thing? Are you really doing your own thing? And we need to be mindful of the potential damaging effects of this. But we also see how our Lord says this. Verse 11, the one who speaks emptily speaks as it were like a fool. Excuse me, this is verse 10 actually. Some of us may hear this and say, Fennel, I'm pretty sure I don't sound like a fool all the time. But in our words, we often try to dress our words up. We try to give our words clever sounds and, 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 and clever kind of nuances and things like that, which I agree we should. We should be mindful in how we speak. We should be mindful in speaking in an intelligible way to people, to our peers, to our pastors, to our teachers. But I think our challenge in this, as we listen to this, and this is in scripture, I'm not making this up. Our challenge in this is that I think sometimes we, we want to be impressive. Can I say that? We want to be impressive in our speech. We want to be known by what we say and how we say what we say. We're more concerned about being proper or super articulate or being super kind of clever in our speech sometimes. And I think our Lord is saying, but, but, but no, there's a greater cause in your speech. There's a greater cause for your tongue. There's so much more that I want you to do and to say to the people of God and to others who need me. And so it, 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 I think it's innate sometimes for us to feel justified in that. I'm sorry if I'm making this. Excuse me, my uh, tablet went out. I'm sorry for making this about just kind of talking and speaking in speech, but um, I'm really trying to draw us to, I think, what the author is trying to point us to. I think in this, we really see that the author is trying to say, look, I need you to see this, that it is not by your power or by your words or by your tongue that change or revival will come. This is an idea of the sovereignty of God. Can I say that, y'all? That God is trying to say that. I, I want you to see that I'm the one who's doing this. I'm the one who's drawing this atheist person near, not your words. Now, go out and do that, but it's not on you. I remember for me, last story I'll probably share, maybe, maybe not. I was at UF. There was this uh, 
Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's something like this at, at USF too, I think. Uh, but there was this preacher called the Turlington Preacher. And he, I think he said he was Christian, but um, he didn't really sound Christian all the time. Let me say it like that. And I remember myself, I wanted to debate this guy. I was like, no, dude, this and that. He was calling girls certain names on campus, which is not good because they were dressing a certain way. Not good, but he said he was Christian. And I remember myself, I wanted to debate him, wanted to have this conversation with him. We're going through him, having this conversation, and literally smack in the middle of it, I'm like, there's no, I, I'm literally talking to a fool. I'm literally talking to a fool who knew a lot, who knew his Bible, who, who knew his Bible up and down and left and right. But I literally reached him and was like, I'm talking to a fool. And so I think in those moments, too, we need to be careful that in our speech, sometimes we can seek to be impressive, impressive for ourselves, impressive in, impressive in the eyes of others as well. And my last point here, I'm trying to go really fast. I'm trying to look at my time. It is as many words equal less meaning. can probably do a series on this alone. It makes it fit for, for this passage because we see that this idea of vanity in our speech is not just stated by the author as uh, this is a truth, but he gives a, a reason why that your many words, you being able to kind of go in depth about something, that you being able to kind of just, just give a laundry list of Whatever you find to be necessarily, you know, great or cool equals less meaning. And some would think, well, that's really backwards, author of Ecclesiastes. More words equal more meaning, right? You'd think that. But what we're really getting at is that our many words, as many as we think that we need to, to, to kind of proclaim a thing or to make a thing make sense, doesn't actually change. As you guys are ministering to people on campus and you are talking with them, not saying that you should only say two words, hi, bye, all right, and that's it. I'm not saying that. But don't believe or think that your mere proclamation or your mere kind of just saying all these great Christianese will change them. I'm sorry if that's offensive to anyone, too, because I just, just, just saying. Um, and so we want to be mindful of that. We want to be mindful. This matter of vanity uh, in our English dictionary, look, look at this. I have this word just for you guys. And I know this word before, but I want to share this. For some of you bookworms, there's this word called logaria. Now, if you guys know what that means, it kind of sounds close to diarrhea, not logos. <laughs> smart, though, see? I want to see how smart you guys are. But diarrhea. And so there's this notion that we sometimes, I, 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 won't, I won't go there, but there's this tendency for us just to kind of spew out whatever. And all the people that I've seen associated with this word, when I looked this definition up, literally had the U.S. tends to love and play, and they, like, they use an example in this word. All the stats that I saw, it literally said U.S., I think it said some African country, and then another Eastern Asian country, and then something else. But U.S. is literally identified as this place of logaria. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk to the point where it's just we're spewing out stuff. It's just coming out uncontrollably. It's coming out without any pause or stop at all. And so, family, I know I've, I made my point already. <laughs> 
But I say all this because I feel like if we walk away from this and say, well, I don't struggle with this. If we walk away and say, well, this is not really a problem for me. And I think we've missed it because everyone who has the ability to talk, text, write, process, words, struggles with this. We spew out words of vanity or vain words, I should say, in our lives all the time. We do it in our pursuits. We do it in our relationships that are intimate and close to us. We do it when we're at work. We do it casually. We do it formally. We do it in, we do it in all settings. And I want to provide us a little bit of hope and a little bit of positivity because I know it sounds really sad. None of you guys have said amen except for Jay and a couple of other sisters here, but that's fine. It's all good. It's not about the amens. It's not about the amens. See, so I say that and I get the amen, but before, so, man, that's good, though. That's good. But it does go to show my words. I'm not looking to be impressive. I'm not looking to get a response. I should not be. The Lord is the one who does change and moves. For real, for real. So I want us to give us this before we close. I'm not going to be long. Look at Psalms 130. It says this. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that, what? We can, with reverence, serve you. This is hard. This is really, really hard. And yes, we will all fall short in how we use our mouths and the words we speak. But we do have hope. We do serve a God who is not only rich in love, but swift to forgive us for those who repent. And so as you use those words, I'm not saying do it deliberately because that's not good either. But know that you do have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ, who came down to save both you and me. And that we no longer stand condemned in him if we are in him. Amen? And that we can live a full life even though we live a life not that's drenched in sin, but a life in repentance. Can I say that again? Don't identify yourself as living a life of, I'm living a life of sin. No, live your life in repentance unto him. And tonight I'm asking you, as you use your thumbs and your tongue, don't try to aim to be perfect because it's not going to happen. But aim to glorify the one who made you. Aim to use your tongue for the one who crafted and designed, designed you. I love how Ish said that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. It's only used for sisters sometimes, but I'm beautiful too. Amen. Jay, you beautiful too, especially when you get a nice little haircut. You're looking good, brother. But no, for real. He's crafted us in a way so we can use our tongues to worship him. That's what this psalm is encouraging us and giving us as a hope, as a call. So you don't need to walk away from this message and say, I'm just never going to do it. I'm never going to make it. The goal of our pastor tonight is not leading us to accuracy or sinless perfection to lean on the one who can cleanse us for real, who can forgive all the careless, hasty, 
blasphemous, lying, gossiping, flattering, harsh, and belittling words that we say. I needed to hear this today. I'm going to share with you. I, I have a way. I know up here you guys might see me as a happy person, but I speak to my friends sometimes in harsh ways. I speak to my wife sometimes in a harsh way. I speak to my peers sometimes in a harsh way. And I, and I try to dress it up. I'm Mr. Petty King. Sometimes they call me because I'm real petty. And so I can make a thing look good and sound good, but really I'm throwing shade. And so I need to repent of that. And some of you may need to repent of that too. And your challenge may be on Twitter or may be on TikTok for when you see someone else and you are like, wow, I can't believe her. And so today I'm asking us all, please, 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 y'all, BCM, I call you guys my family. Take this serious because every single one of us will stand before our Lord on this. Every single one of us will have to give an account for every careless word and reckless word that we've said. And it'll either condemn you or it'll confirm your blessing in the hands of Jesus.